It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good morning. We've got uh, a little uh, recap coming today from Championship Weekend. Uh, that'll kind of headline the show today, I think. Um, we're not going to dive too deeply into the Super Bowl matchup this week. Um, next week, um, we anticipate uh, maybe having uh, one of my friends on the show who is a uh, 49ers fan, very knowledgeable guy, um, that can join in and um, we can get kind of the fans' perspective of this Niners run um, as well as previewing the game and making our selections and, and talking about what we kind of see. Uh, but we, what we are going to do today is uh, Tom and I have decided to have a little uh, fantasy contest uh, for the Super Bowl where we will each select five players uh, positionless and whoever tallies the most fantasy points with their five selections uh, comes out on top. And we're going to do this um, like a full season fantasy draft style rather than uh, daily fantasy where you can have the same players. So, for example, if Tom is selected to choose first, uh, he gets one pick. I can follow with two consecutive picks, then Tom will have two picks and so on until we each have five players. Um, so we think it'll just be kind of a fun way to uh, see what kind of angles we have on the Super Bowl and, and who we think are going to be the big players. Um, Tom, what else do we have on the show today? Uh, we're going to talk about the UFC, uh, the big pay-per-view, and preview a little bit of the um, UFC and ESPN. We're also going to talk about some more XFL. We're going to talk about some of the rosters, just to hit some of the highlights, maybe the coaching staffs, and maybe some of the players we're looking forward to seeing play at the in the XFL league. Yeah, um, that should be fun because I think a lot of those rosters have uh, familiar faces on them, um, so it should be a good time kind of going through the list and seeing who we know, um, particularly the coaches. I think there's a lot of co big-name coaches that have been involved in the game for a long time that you'll recognize their names as we go into that. Yeah, the coaching staffs are what makes it seem like it, it, it might have some more staying power than some of the other ones. Yeah, so, you know, let's not waste any time. Let's uh, let's get right into um, the AFC Championship game, uh, the first of the two games from Sunday. Uh, the Tennessee Titans were at the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, kind yeah. of, you, you see a little bit of the same story in this game where Tennessee gets off to a quick start. Uh, they look like they're going to make it difficult on, on Kansas City. And I thought their defense might have a little more staying power than the Texans did. Uh, but you could see that that clearly the Chiefs just overpowered them, overwhelmed them later on in the game. Yeah, I mean, this game was, was a lot closer in the going into the fourth quarter. It was 21-17 still than it ended up being. Um, yeah, the Chiefs just have t so much firepower. Keeping them down for four quarters is a real challenge. As we uh, kind of look back on, on what happened in that game, um, Tennessee, you know, Ryan Tannehill had a very nice game. Uh, 21 to 31 for 209 and two touchdowns. Uh, Derrick Henry, however, only ran for 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Kansas City's defense really limited the uh, effectiveness of Derrick Henry, which is not something that I, I particularly expected. I expected that he would still be able to uh, get his. You know, I, I figured if he ran for you know 24, 25 carries, 150, 160 yards, that's kind of what I saw coming. Uh, but Kansas City seems to have. Uh, rectified some of their issues that they had early in the season with their defense. Yeah, the first time they played, Henry ran all over them. Uh, the Chiefs made a, a definite adjustment to stop the run and made an effort to make sure that he wasn't the one that beat them. And if they lost, Tannehill was going to have to put up numbers. And he, he kept them in it. But at, again, at the end, the Chiefs just kept scoring when they needed to. And there's nothing overwhelming about the Chiefs' numbers from the game. Uh, 23 of 35 for 294 and three touchdowns by Mahomes. It's just mistake-free football. Um, you know, he, he also ran the ball eight times for 53 yards and a score, obviously highlighted by one of the greatest plays that you can imagine in playoff football, um, looking like he's going to be taken out of bounds or tackled a couple of times and manages to work his way all the way to yeah. the end zone. He, he gave that guy the okey-doke at the sideline. They let up thinking he was going to run out of bounds, and when he saw them let up, he goes, okay, I'll take yeah. the sideline. Yeah, and that's the danger of the modern athlete that they've got it at quarterback. It used to be a given that the quarterback was going to step out of bounds when he saw somebody coming, but now you've got the guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and uh, some of these other great athletes that are 
not only great quarterbacks, but they're athletically gifted and, and able to make moves like that and stay alive. See, I think it's a commentary on the state of the NFL and how much they flag people. They're more worried about pulling up so they don't get a flag. I mean, years ago, that quarterback's running for his life out of bounds because otherwise they're going to send him into the <laughs> into the bench. So you got those guys, all right, he's going to go out of bounds. I shouldn't even get near him. And then between the two of them, he's able to obviously make the play down the sideline. Yeah, and that was the really the, the big moment in the game. If, it, yeah. if you had to pick one that really stood out, Tennessee looked like they were doing a pretty good job up to that point, and that, that was like the back-breaking yeah. moment for them. That was, you know, that that – that got to, um, the Chiefs up before halftime, and it really, at that point, it seemed inevitable that they were gonna gonna finish them off in the second qu- second half. And to Tennessee's uh, credit, it was a zero zero third quarter. They hung really tough in there. They did not just roll over and die. They held strong, and then the the Chiefs were able to make one drive and then the one big play to Watkins to ice it. Yeah, Watkins seven catches for one fourteen and a touchdown. Uh, he doesn't get utilized as much probably as Tyreek Hill or, or doesn't get the same notoriety, but the guy was, you know, probably a top 10 receiver in the league when it comes to talent. Um, he's just a, a cog in the wheel yeah. for that Kansas City offense, so he doesn't get the same notoriety of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, his first touchdown since week one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's um, – you know, but you can see that the the breakout potential is always there for for a guy like Sammy yeah. Watkins. He's, he's, he has those big games. He's just one of those guys that he'll have days where his matchup is so much better than the other guy. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the NFC Championship game and what happened there. Um, give us a little rundown, Tom. Yeah. So to me, this game was a lot different than the Titans Chiefs game. I think the scores are fairly similar. Chiefs won by 11, Niners won by 17, but I feel like this was a much more dominant performance by the 49ers. Um, I mean, Niners had 285 yards rushing. They didn't really – you never felt like the Packers were going to win this game. Right from the jump, it felt like, yep, here's the Niners. They're on a roll already. And that's what you got to guard yourself against the Niners. We've talked about it before in here about some teams are built to play from behind, some teams are built to play for the lead, and the 49ers are the quintessential built to play with the lead. They run the ball amazingly, and their defense, they get after the quarterback. And their secondary is not, not great, but they're good enough to make plays if you leave them there. Yeah, it was a, I mean, to see a quarterback throw eight passes and, and win the game going away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the defense is exactly where I thought the mismatch would be as we went into that game. It, they just looked so much better than Green Bay's offense. They were, they were able to uh, basically control the game. Uh, they're... You know, you see 326 and two touchdowns for Rodgers. It, it almost feels deceptive right? Um, because a lot of that really happened after the game was, was out of hand. Exactly. That's what I say. The scores are similar, but this, this game was way, way different. They were, they were head and shoulders the better team. Yeah, and, you know, they, they showed a level of physicality that you don't see um, a lot in the NFL anymore. Yeah. Um, they have speed on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have weapons at receiver now that have emerged with Debo Samuel. Obviously, George Kittle is a, a complete monster, and his ability to, to both block and be a receiver. Yeah. Um, they, they're such a well-balanced football team. Uh, the only question mark for me was Garoppolo, but he didn't need to be anything in this game, and that's yeah. that's the that's kind of what happened there. Yeah, he didn't. He was never forced to step up. But uh, kudos to the Niners; they just looked like the better team. Yeah, and you know we'll uh, we'll talk a lot more about the Super Bowl matchup uh, next week. It'll be full on. Um, Tom has a, a word that he wants to you know use for our uh, our whole show <laughs> is going to be around um, Super Bowl props. Yeah. So yeah, what'd, next, you, what'd you come up with? Next week we're gonna have Propapalooza. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about all the uh, different types of uh, props that we love. Um, I think we're we're, each picking five, right? Yeah, at least five. We're going to kind of – we're trying to work out the fine details on how exactly we want to present it to you guys, but it's going to be a lot of fun uh, coming up with some of these props and talking about the fun things that you can see. Yeah, guys, if you're out there and you're getting ready for a Super Bowl party, if you're having guys over to watch this and you are not getting a a sheet of props out for everyone to put $10 in and pick the props they think are going to win, you're out of your mind. It, It is the most fun part of the big game. 
yeah, there are so many different things and different angles that you can attack it from, you know, and uh, we've got a buddy that does one every year and uh, it's usually a lot of fun, you know, and uh, his caveat is that you have to select the winning team um, to qualify. Yeah. But other than that, you uh, you just go through and select. I think there's probably about 20 questions on his. So um, those things, they make it a lot of fun. You know, even if you don't have a, a real interest in the game, um, if you don't have a, a, a team that you're really pulling for, I always find a way to, to have a side that I want to see to win. Usually that's by having money on it. So, Yeah, yeah I mean, Propopalooza is great. I, I spent some of my lunch break yesterday timing Demi Lovato's national anthems on YouTube. So yeah, definitely going to get a side on that one. I get the idea that maybe uh, there's been a lot of research done on that kind of thing yeah. in the past. Yeah, I, they're working on it. I don't think that they just throw that kind of number out there oh, willy-nilly. No. You know, they've got a pretty good idea. So yeah. Uh, I think that's a that a lot of, a lot of people love to to pick that prop. You know, it's that's fun. it's one of people's favorites. So. Right right off the get go, it's what makes it fun. So I mean, Aaron Jones was a non factor in the game because they fell behind and and yeah. were in that trailing position. And once the game kind of shook out that way, you knew that Green Bay was going to struggle because they again they don't have the firepower anymore uh, to keep up with. I, I don't see it out of Aaron Rodgers. I don't. He doesn't look like the guy that he was five, six, seven yeah. years ago. Yeah, I think they're limited um, through the air more than they have been before. And I'm not sure it's all Rodgers. Some of it probably is. But, you know, the weapons, I mean, some of these guys he's thrown to, again, we talked about it last week, Geronimo Allison, Lazard. I mean, the, again, Adams looked good. He made some plays. He looked, yeah, he's far and away the best weapon on that team. Yeah. Him, uh, and, him and Jones are great. And then – Nothing really much to be worried about after that if you're a defensive coordinator. Yeah. So San Francisco and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Um, expect a whole lot more from us on the Super Bowl next week. Um, and uh, now let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, we, we're going to move into some uh, review from UFC 246. Yeah. Um, I know that we both were watching with, with oh, interest yeah. watching the fights. So oh, man. tell me what your, what your initial thoughts are on that card. So I think two things, the two main, the, the main event and the co-main event were the big fights. And I have two thoughts. Uh, Holly Holm won, but she was so underwhelming. The strategy of just pinning her against the cage, it's very unhome-like. And I just wonder what that, you know, what the, you know, they had to see something that made them do that. Because it's not, it's really not her strength even. But she just, she was, it looked like she was fighting scared, you know, trying to just use whatever strategy she could to come out on top. I think that she's lost some of her explosiveness that she once had, um, where she was head kicking people to sleep. Um, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see I, her. I don't think she's the same fighter that she once was. After you know, I, we've seen her get demolished a few times here, yeah, uh, recently, and it looked like she was just trying to make sure that she uh, came out with a victory because if she gets through Pennington, yeah, it could open the door for some bigger fights down the line. Yeah, and that's kind of what I have written here. I think that the, the logical choice for her is um, Durandamy too. They fought before recently and it went the distance and it was a split decision Durandamy won and a lot of people thought home won including Holly she thought she won that fight um so I, I would imagine that you give those two a shot they've both already lost to Nunez so it yeah. is what it is the winner gets a, a rematch with, with Nunez and I think that that's that's really a neat bow on that yeah and they you know they really need to uh, hopefully get some kind of up-and-comer or somebody yeah. who, who's uh, loaded with talent to come into that division and, and infuse some excitement because right now it feels like it's Nunez and everybody else. Yeah, I mean, she's beaten all the other ones that are right up there, so for sure. Yeah, and then in the main event, uh, Connor just absolutely wiped the, the floor with, with Donald Cerrone. Um, I talked about this a little bit with Tom, and uh, as I was watching the, the pre-fight stuff, uh, seeing that... Um, Connor was taking this much more seriously that yeah. he was uh, and he looked great and he yeah. was he was uh, acting with a certain level of respect and class leading up to it and, and I think that I, and, yeah and I think that was focus yeah. more than anything else I think that was uh, a guy who was determined to come out and, and get a big win and show everybody that he still got it he just wasn't in the right space before yeah, so I think I talked last uh, last week on the podcast about a couple of things he said that really stood out to me before. Well, the one talking about the venom he had for Khabib, and he was more concerned about just like his disdain for this man instead of the sport of what my game plan should be, how do I best beat this guy. 
Um, so I think that will always hurt you in a sport like that. And then the other one was the sobriety. I mean, uh, the fact that he was drinking the week of the fight last time, that's crazy to me for, yeah. for a professional fighter. Um, and so then this time that he stopped like three, four months ago drinking to make sure he was in the best shape possible. And I mean, he looked at, he looked in great shape and, uh, those shoulder, those shoulder strikes were insane. It just showed the, the, the creativity of Conor yeah. McGregor when he's at his best. Uh, you know, and he, he has that creativity and that ability to really put somebody in a world of trouble in a hurry. And he's so smart. I mean, he after the fight, they're talking about it, and he goes, "Yeah, I watched a lot of a lot of tape on him, and he likes to get in the clinch. And I was just trying to think of ways I could hurt him from the clinch. And um, thirty seconds in the fight, he's where he wanted to be with something he he knew he could." take advantage of yeah that's preparation and you know yeah. fight intelligence so um now the question is what's next yeah um word is today that um Nurmagomedov is willing to to have a rematch yeah um, it sounds like that's the path that dana white wants to take this thing that's not happening you don't think it's gonna happen no way so i and here's the reason uh khabib's fighting in april so if you fight in april the odds are you're not going to be ready to fight again for what four months you're talking yeah. august if he gets a six month suspension which these places they hand out like candy now after a fight if you take x amount of blows to the head you're talking not being able to fight till october mcgregor's ready to fight in march if he wanted to because he took yeah. zero damage he's ready to go um i don't think that's going to happen connor's manager was already saying that he wants to fight early summer um and Masvidal was looking, do I fight Usman or do I fight Connor? And now Usman's hurt. He's not going to be able to fight. So if you're Dana White, you have this chance to put Masvidal and Connor in a cage together, maybe even make it for the interim title, or you can make it for the, the BMF title um, and get that huge super fight. And then that you still have Khabib there at the end for the winner. Yeah, I was reading an article about it, and they were saying that uh, – they expect monster paydays out of that next Nurmagomedov McGregor fight. Yeah. Um, 100 million for each guy somewhere in that ballpark, which is would have been crazy to talk about 10 years ago with UFC. Uh, now guys are, are making that kind of bank in those big fights. And um, I think that Connor, he, he'd be well served to continue fighting and not have that long layoff because right now he is focused. He is determined. Yeah. He's fighting. Uh, it, he's clearly training well and got himself in a good place. And I would hate to see distractions creep up on him uh, yeah. leading up to you know, a fight in the fall against Nurmagomedov. Right. And there's always the, the chance. I don't think it's going to happen. There's always the chance Khabib could lose. And then what do you do? Yeah. It, it, I mean – potentially takes away a huge payday uh, is anybody going to be that excited about ferguson i mean no i mean I, it would be a good fight but it wouldn't be it wouldn't have the same sizzle yeah and the sizzle is what gets people to buy the pay-per-views i mean the cerrone mcgregor it was lacking some of that sizzle and and it did well i mean not not so much for cowboy but yeah he didn't yeah. make a lot of money i guess he only made like two hundred thousand. yeah he and he got kicked in the head yeah, <laughs> yeah, a broken nose, kicked in the head, and his grandmother hugged Conor McGregor. So yeah, it's <laughs> a rough night all around for the cowboy. I think that uh, you know, I get excited when you see somebody like McGregor coming back, having a great performance like that. Um, I'm worried about what happens when he gets dragged into deep water again. Obviously, somebody like Khabib and the ability to uh, take him to the ground and wrestle with him. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a different type of fighter than Cerrone is obviously. And, um, we'll see what happens if he's prepared enough to deal with that type of fighter. Yeah. I, he's great when he's focused I and mean, we've seen it before. I'm just glad he won because honestly, I think him winning gives us more to talk about, gives us bigger fights on the horizon. And that's what the UFC gives you is more next. What's next? What's next? Yeah. Including next week. Yeah, we've got uh, this weekend coming up, right? Uh, yeah. Is it on Saturday? Or yep, Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, UFC on ESPN. Um, we've got uh, the main card is it's nothing super exciting, but there are two pretty good fights in the, in the main event. Um, we've got a light heavyweight bout between Jamal Hill and Darko Stosic. Um, you know, a couple of guys that have uh, – they, they need to try to break into the rankings, you know, so yeah. they're not, it's not a, it's not a marquee fight by any stretch, but um, could be fun to watch. Um, then you've got 
Hannah Cyphers against Angela Hill. Angela Hill seems like she's been around for quite a long time. She's experienced yeah. now and, and been in the octagon a number of times. Yeah, she's fought nine times in the UFC already. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously she's savvy. Uh, Hannah Cyphers is, is one of the younger people uh, working her way up, trying to, uh, you know, break into the break into the, the rankings here and, um, you know, see if she can make some noise in that strawweight division. Um, then what do we got, Tom? Uh, then we have Jordan Espinoza versus Alex Perez at a flyweight. Uh, this fight's pretty good just because, I mean, they're both at the end of the rankings. Espinoza at 9, Perez at 11. But Perez has a lot of promise. Um, 21 and 5. He's 2 and 1 in the UFC. His only loss was to Benavidez, who's obviously really good. Um, so it, it's exciting to see some of these young guys get a premier spot at a main card, even if it is on ESPN. It's a lot of eyeballs, and that, that's a big opportunity for them. So, um, yeah. and, then, and then the next fight's where it gets really good. Yeah, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos against Michael Chiesa. Um, both guys that have been around a long time. Um, I talked. I think I mentioned this briefly that it, it seemed uh, Dos Anjos is very versatile. He's, he's yeah. a great fighter, obviously, but um, I think that he might be on the downside of his career at this point. And uh, I think this is a, an opportunity for Chiesa to take a, a leap in the rankings if he can get one over Dos Anjos. See, and I think this is the fight that the fights that Dos Anjos wins. Like he fights the the guys that are good to middling. He beats them and just can't beat the great fighters anymore. So I, I honestly, I think this is one where. Well, believe me, I'm not saying that Chiesa's yeah. gonna win. I'm right. saying this is a great opportunity for sure. him to to get a, a big win over somebody with a big name like Dos Anjos, yeah. um, who's been around and, and been a champ, done everything. Yeah, so. Yeah, no, obviously a good opportunity. Just I, I just looking at it, I just feel like this is one of those ones where RDA gets the win, probably looks impressive, and then gets another bump up into another big fight, and he'll inevitably take another step back. So now we go from RDA to JDS here with uh, Junior Dos Santos taking on Curtis Blades. Yeah. Um, heavyweights slugging away. You know, Dos Santos is, is uh, a talented striker. Uh, has the ability to stand back and box. Yeah, he's awesome. And um, that part of his game, I think, is going to make things difficult on Curtis Blades. Um, you know, Blades is exciting. He get he gets those nasty yeah. finishes. It, it, it's going to be it, – it'll be really fun to watch the fight and see oh, how it goes yeah. from a tactical standpoint. Again, JDS seems like a guy that's – he's been through a million wars now in, in the UFC. How much is left in the tank where Blades is the guy that they – it, by all accounts, you'd think the UFC wants Blades to get some monster finish because it'll it'll really jack up the fan base. Yeah, it's interesting because I think Dos Santos is the better boxer. We're talking about boxing. He's the better boxer. But Blades has the more uh, powerful finish. Like explosive, yeah, yeah. Explosive finish. So Dos Santos wants to box, keep his distance, jab him, punches, um, and Blades is looking for that chance to really take him out. So that's what makes this fight super exciting because you know both of them are going to try to keep it on the feet. They're both going to be headhunting. I'm um, afraid uh, of how the fight is going to shake out. Afraid? I'm af yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that I'll be excited to watch the fight and then I'll watch a jab fest. A, Two guys leaning yeah, on each other in the fifth yeah, round. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, I'm concerned that we're going to, you're all excited about a heavyweight yeah. fight and then you get a conservative game plan from both guys. It's tough with heavyweights sometimes because you, they're especially in a five-round heavyweight fight, there's always that chance that the guys go at it really hard for the first couple rounds and they just have nothing left. I mean, these are big guys. They have a lot of weight to carry around, a lot of power, but with that comes some taxing on the uh, the breath of yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> no question. Um, um, the one thing about Blades that's interesting is his two losses are both against Nagano, yeah. which... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, the guy is a destroyer. He's so, a destroyer. Um, both, and both times knocked out. <laughs> again, I think the same thing would happen to him if he had the opportunity to fight Stipe, too, though. I think Stipe is just an amazing fighter. Yeah. Um, Stipe, you're the man. Yeah, he is. He is, he is the best. He's, he's the coolest, nicest. Yeah, like best one of my favorite athletes. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's so hard not to love. Um, when, you, uh, when you look at that heavyweight division i don't know what's going on with cormier you know what i mean I, i'm not yeah. sure they still have him on the rankings but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure everyone's convinced that he's toast he's yeah. retired he's happy um you know he's he, he does a nice job on uh, some of those broadcasts you yeah, know he's really good in that role because one he's got a good personality obviously but two he has a lot to say about both the wrestling portion 
and the stand-up. And I think a lot of times you get some of those guys who are like, they know a lot about one, but not not as much about the other. Yeah. And he's well-rounded, and he's just got a, a big personality. He's got that big goofy smile of his. Like he's yeah. he's a good guy. Just to see yeah. on there. His backstory is awesome. If you ever get the opportunity to listen to it, you can probably find it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, he he did a spot on uh, one of Opie's uh, radio shows uh, years back, and uh, on that radio show he talked about his his history growing up and you know being bullied and then finally he he took um he took up wrestling and the same kid that had been bullying him all along finally got his tail kicked when when yeah. cormier learned how to wrestle yeah cormier went through a lot i mean he the disappointment of being an alternate for the olympics and kind of get missing out well you know he got sick because yep. he, from from his weight cut he ended up with kidney failure in the hospital so he's he's seen a lot of stuff yeah. you know and um, he's maybe the second or third best fighter of his generation. Um, yep. He just could never get over the hump against John Jones. Yeah. It can't be. You know, who are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, John Jones is amazing. So let's run down the top five for the heavyweight division. We got Stipe at champion, Cormier at number one contender, then Nagano, who's just scary, at number two. Yeah. Blades and DeSantos are brought out three and four, and they're, of course, going to have that showdown. And then they have two people listed at five. Um Derek Lewis, who's also one of our favorite guys to watch fight. And Rosenstruck, yeah. Yeah. And Derek Lewis, by the way, the best soundbite in the UFC. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that was That's pretty hilarious, right? Funniest guy. Um, you know, and, and the 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 thing with Derek Lewis, like, he's given us some real clunkers at, yeah. at times, too. So he, he can be very exciting to, to watch. Um, but also can be uh, he, all of a sudden he just he puts off a complete disaster. What was that fight where he he threw what a dozen strikes in the whole fight? <laughs> oh, uh, I can't who remember who he was fighting, but that was horrible. It was it was awful. Where you're all excited to see Derek Lewis fight, and uh, neither of them throw any punches in the fight. Uh, boy, I wish I could remember who it was off the top of my head. Uh, but you know Rosenstruck, um, he is uh, from Suriname. Uh, he is uh, a kickboxer. Um, yeah. He is uh, ten and you know, six and t- six foot two, two forty seven. Um, you know, he, this is a guy that he looks like the up and coming dude in the division right now. Yeah. Um, excited to kind of see what you know what's next. Um, what you're gonna you know what is he able to do moving forward? Yeah, I think we'll see some sorting out of the heavyweights because they have. Blades and, and DeSantos are fighting, and then um, in a couple of weeks, the week after the Super Bowl, Derek Lewis is fighting. Um, so we'll see some movement at this division really fast, where some of the other divisions, they don't have those, you know, a cluster of fights in the top five. Yeah. So these ones are planned and ready to go. I'm very interested to see what they do with Stipe, what his next fight's going to be. Um, maybe the winner of Blades DeSantos gets the chance. Well, talk about something that's uninspiring for me to watch. <laughs> I'll watch any Stipe fight, yeah, exactly. but that that I mean, one just doesn't really get me excited. I'd love to see John Jones move up and, and fight at the heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, that's so. the dream, but we'll we'll see what Jones does here after he wins this yeah. next fight. So um, Tom and I are going to take a quick break, uh, refresh our beverages, uh, and get ready for our fantasy draft that will be coming up right after this. Fantasy um, draft. Fantasy draft time, and then we're going to talk uh, – a little XFL uh, to wrap things up uh, on a little bit of an abbreviated Hammered Sports podcast this week uh, from the Hammered Sports Lounge. Hang with us. And we are back, and we are getting prepared for our draft game that we have going on here. Um, while we were off air, I went ahead and did a uh, random.org uh, selection to determine who had the first pick. Uh, so Tom came out on top there, and he will have the first selection so, Tom, fire away. All right. After much consideration of about 30 seconds, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. All right. Tom, with the selection of Patrick Mahomes. He's the clear one-on-one here, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see any other direction you can really go with it. No. Um, Yours is where it gets more interesting now having the second and third pick. Right. Do you go double up on one team? Do you split them? Right. Because I mean, the problem is I can play defense now and, and take uh, Hill and Kelsey. Right. To... Or, but that could limit my point totals. Sure. 
Uh, because ne- then if Mahomes throws a couple of touchdown passes to Watkins, I'm, right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm getting nothing out of that. Yeah. Um, I played defense unnecessarily at that, yeah. at that point. Your, yours uh, is definitely where the strategy takes place. Yeah. This is going to be punch counter punch now. It so is. Now, now you got the punch and then I'm going to have to counter your punch here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to take Travis Kelsey with my first pick. Okay. And with my second pick, this is the difficult part right here. I'm going to take George Kittle. Okay. Kevin going double tight end. Tight end, tight end with my first two picks. So with number two, I'm going to take Jimmy Garoppolo. Going with both quarterbacks. Yeah. You have one more selection. Ooh. There's two obvious ones for me here, I think. Um, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Hill Alright I'm not going to overthink it I'm going to go with Hill Yeah So uh, I am going to go with uh, Damian Williams That was the other one And Raheem Mustard. Cleaning out the running backs. So I think I'm going to go Debo Samuel for sure. He's been awesome lately. I love watching him. And your final selection? My final selection will be... I'm going to go Sammy. I'm going to go Sammy Watkins. I hope they throw the ball a lot in this game because I have no piece of the running game. Yeah, it's um, I'm in a bad spot, though, because you've got the potential for double points all over the place. Um, I need the touchdown passes to be to Kelsey and Kittle at this yeah. point. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders, who's going to be my last selection. Yeah, this is uh, interesting doing it with one game. And back and forth like this. It'll be kind of fun. We are going to use the regular DraftKings scoring, so we're just going to take a look at their scores on DraftKings and uh, pull them and see see who ends up on top. Um, if there's a lot of running, I'm in trouble. If it's thro- throwing the ball around and high scoring, I'm probably going to be in pretty good shape with both quarterbacks. Yeah. As I, long as all the TDs in the red zone don't go to the two tight ends, I should be all right. Well, and the, the way that I look at it is I need San Francisco. That, that yeah. to me yeah. – if San Francisco is doing their thing. playing the game that they want to play, running the ball, throwing passes to Kittle, and you know limiting the the time that, that Mahomes gets on the field, that's that's going to be my opportunity. Uh, yeah. I need a lower scoring type of game yep. um, where you're going to be looking for a shootout. Let's run it up. Yeah. So I mean that should be a lot of fun. I mean that's just a, a random thing that we just that I thought up the other night, and um, I think that. Anytime that you can find fun and creative ways to have interest in, in a football game like this, it it just makes everything so much more fun. So, I mean, we'll see if this is fun or if we need to make tweaks to it moving forward, but I, I would love to keep doing something like this um, in the, you know, kind of that, that drafting format where they're going to be on your team now. Um, I know that there have been a lot of people that do, like, playoff fantasy mm-hmm. where you draft players at the beginning of the playoffs and you have to be strategic about it because you want somebody – you accumulate points over the course of the whole thing. Right. So, you know, if you if you took a quarterback who went out in the first round like Josh Allen, you got one Some, week worth of points. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks going out in the first round, you ask. You know, that's a big <laughs> Josh Allen. <laughs> Was was there any any doubt where I was headed with that? I had to find one subtle way. If you to... picked up Tom Brady, yeah, <laughs> then suck it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm excited for the Super Bowl matchup, and I'm really excited for next week's pod when we when we dive into what's going on with the Super Bowl. Prop a palooza. Prop a palooza. Prop a palooza. Prop a palooza. We're you know, and um, we've got some fun contests drawn up. That might be our first T-shirt pop. 
Propapalooza. Yeah, the Hammer the Sports Hop Propapalooza. <laughs> it's not easy to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hop. What, 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 Too many rum that? and cokes to be saying stuff like this right now. Yeah. Well, maybe not enough. We'll give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the last thing that we're going to touch on this week is we're going to talk about some of these XFL rosters. And don't forget, Kevin is going to pick his favorite XFL team today. I am. I am. I'm going to select my favorite XFL team. I, and I stayed true to my word. I have not looked at any rosters surrounding the XFL because I wanted this to be spontaneous and in the moment tonight. Yeah. So, um, Tom, I'm going to let you take the wheel on this and, and run through some of these rosters for me. Okay. All right, so I'm going to try to hit some of the highlights. First, we're going to start with the Dallas Renegades. Um, the Dallas Renegades are coached by Bob Stoops. So, again, like we said, a big name right off the bat. Um, also, Bob Stoops, uh, for those of you that have not followed college football closely, is a college football legend, really. He kind of comes out of that, um, you know, Oklahoma is where he spent all of his time. Um, but he is uh, he had a lot of success there. Uh, he walked away, and it seemed like he was ready to retire, and Lincoln Riley took over. I Now you have to wonder if it was more of like a forced departure from his time sure. at Oklahoma uh, rather than on his own volition. Uh, so this will be fun to see what he can do in this professional football league. Yeah, so Bob Stoops, always been known as a defensive guy, so we'll take a look here. Um, running down some of the players on this roster, uh, we have some quarterbacks. Eric Dungy, uh, so Syracuse. Yeah, he's a dual threat guy, runs the ball really well. Um, I'm surprised that he didn't get an opportunity to play at the NFL level. I'm not sure what happened um, with his, his opportunities there, but that's a, that's a fun name right out of the gate for us. Yeah, also at, wide, or at quarterback, they have Philip Nelson from East Carolina. Yeah, yeah, not, um, not a bad quarterback. He, no. you know, he was around for. I think he did the full duration there, and uh, I think that that's Eric Dungy's job to lose. Except Landry Jones is also on the team. Well, that throws a wrench in everything. Um, Landry Jones was a player for Bob Stoops at Oklahoma, yep. and then uh, had a cup of coffee with the Pittsburgh Steelers, including a couple of starts, I think, yeah. um, because Big Ben can't stay on the field, so. Um, yeah, that's a, that's that's a hell of a quarterback room, really, right out of the gate. Yeah, ex exactly. And I think that it'll be interesting to see where some of the strengths of some of these teams show up um, as we move along here. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm just pulling up their roster and seeing if any names pop at me while exactly. I look at at the the Renegades roster. Cameron Artis Payne uh, is a name near and dear to my heart, who spent time with uh, Auburn. Um, you know, that's that's definitely a name that that people will know. Um, he spent a fair amount of time in the NFL, too. He, he got some opportunities to, to get some playing time there. So, yeah. um, Lance Dunbar. Lance, Lance Dunbar's been around. Oh, yeah. Cowboy. Uh, yep. Spent a bunch of time there. Uh, managed to stick on their roster for a number of years, really. So, Believe it or not, another Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two in, in the NFL now are not enough. There's a third one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see a lot of other names on that squad that, that really stick out to me. Um, who's the next team that we've got? Oh, wait a minute here. There are some... Uh, they've got a couple of other players that are assigned to their team that are unsigned. Yeah. Um, Ryan Broyles, I think, was another Oklahoma kid. Um, John Franklin III uh, played some cornerback in the NFL after playing quarterback on... Uh, Last Chance U. Um, he was on the first season, I think, of Last Chance U, and then transferred to Auburn. Um, so there are some there are some other names out there that, that could end up making an impact, but they weren't currently active. Yeah, so the next one we have on the list to go through is the D.C. Defenders. Um, so they're up next. Who coaches D.C.? On the way. Oh, man, I already see some names that I recognize here. So they're going to be coached by Pep Hamilton. Um, he's going to be the head coach and GM for Offensive them. mind. Pep yep. Hamilton has been around for a long time. Spent time with uh, the Indianapolis Colts as one of the top assistants there for a number of years. Yeah, they have some very interesting people. One of the names right away, Eli Rogers at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, he played in the NFL. He played with the Steelers for a while. Yeah. Uh, decent football player. I'm surprised that he didn't stick. Uh, Matt Elam, who played uh, safety at Florida, his name stands out to me. Um, Tyree, Jordan Westerkamp, uh, he was a receiver at uh, Nebraska. A.J. Tarpley was one of the linebackers there. Yeah. 
Um, they also had Scooby Wright. He was a great <laughs> player at great uh, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was a really nice college football player. Uh, and then the quarterback room looks like that. That's an interesting group there, huh? Yeah, they have a lot, some 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 talent in this room with Tyree Jackson um, coming out of Buffalo University, who played for the Bills for a little bit in training camp this year, and then Cardale Jones, who also played for the Bills for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so they got they got all those locked down. And Vlad Lee, he was a I think an option quarterback at at Georgia Tech. So that that's an interesting. I mean, I wonder if that they might consider having that type of uh, flexibility in their offense. It wouldn't surprise me. Pep Hamilton's a pretty good innovator and, and offensive mind. So um, the next team that we have would be the Houston Roughnecks, Houston right? Houston Roughnecks. First off, I dig their name. Kinda, <laughs> yeah? I kind of like the Houston Roughnecks. That sounds kind of fun to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting that all the logos seem pretty fresh and new. I think that's part of the fun of a new league like this. Um, and uh, the Roughnecks have some pretty uh, more, you know, they got a couple defensive guys, too. They got, first of all, the head coach is June Jones. Who oh, that, you're, we're going to get run and shoot, around. baby. Yeah. He's going to throw the ball run around. One of the innovators of their run and shoot offense. And then on their defensive side, they have Ted Cottrell as the defensive coordinator. Oh, wow. Who, I again, didn't realize he was still in the game. Yeah. Ted Cottrell's been around for a long time now. Absolutely. Um, I see a couple names that pop to me. Andrew Jackson, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is the uh, linebacker from Western Kentucky. Um, I know this because I was interested in him coming out of the uh, the draft for the Dolphins a couple of years back. Um, I see Connor Cook at quarterback, Michigan State. Uh, you know, And I'll beat you to it. Sammy Coates is on this team. Oh, Sammy Coates. How about that? Another Auburn guy. I'm a big fan of, uh, of seeing that kind of stuff. So. Cam Phillips, another wide receiver, he was he was really good in college at Virginia Tech. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the talented kid there for sure. Um, they've got uh, this kid, Jalen Saunders. Uh, looks like he was uh, a good ball player in uh, the CFL for a little bit, and then bounced around the NFL. Um, another Oklahoma kid. I mean, lots of lots of Oklahoma kids here playing in this uh, yeah. in this league. So that's an, that's a, I mean that rosters um, another another big name actually kind of was Coney Ely uh, he's on that team I mean this is a second round pick in yeah the NFL. pass rusher from Missouri right yeah went to yeah. went to the Jets didn't really stick there but I mean that's a second round pick yeah there there are names on here that you're gonna see that the, these guys they can play football and that's that's the most exciting part to me about the XFL is these these some of these guys can play football it's not just a a um, gimmicky league anymore here from from my perspective anyway yeah and then now on to the los angeles wildcats yes the wildcats of los angeles josh johnson at quarterback hmm. yeah uh, the winston moss is going to be the head coach here and uh another i mean we're the offensive and defense coordinator here are pretty crazy norm chow is the offensive coordinator yeah he's another guy he's another run and shoot type of guy yeah um, having spent time in Hawaii with June Jones um, and USC, I believe, as well. And then the defense coordinator is Pepper Johnson. Really? The old Giants <laughs> linebacker, yeah. huh? I don't know much about his coaching resume, but uh, you know, I certainly recall him uh, beating the Bills in the Super Bowl back in. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find the names that pop on this roster for me. Yeah, this roster... Um, Nick Novak's their kicker. Colton Schmidt's their punter, Tom. Oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah. Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones. A yeah. different Taiwan Jones. This oh, is this a, is the linebacker. This is Taiwan a linebacker, Jones. not a running back. I saw the same thing the exact same time you did. Yeah, we got problems. Uh, let's see. Scott Orndorff. I wonder if that's uh, Paul's, Paul's kid. boy. If you get that, bonus points for you listening. <laughs> yeah, so ja Josh Johnson... Um, looks to be, I mean, Chad Kanoff. I mean, he looks like he's from Princeton. Yeah. Not really familiar with him. And Jalen McClendon, the other quarterback, doesn't even have a, a Wikipedia page, so <laughs> not looking too good for him. Right. Bad now, look, man. Get get someone on that. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna get to look at our uh, our local team. I guess this would be right. The, the <laughs> yeah, New local York Guardians. The New yeah. York Guardians, and I'm just be the first one to say it they have the weakest name i think out of all of them yeah that's the guardians it's weird their helmets and uniforms look awesome they're they're 
they're black with like silver and red, so they really look cool. But the Guardians, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't even say Kevin Gilbride though is the head coach. That guy knows football. Yeah, he's a. He's a they're gonna move the ball. Got punched in the face by Buddy Ryan on the <laughs> sideline back in about 1994. I'm thinking somewhere in that ballpark. They also have a wide receiver named Joe Horn. Yeah, Joe just, Horn Jr. That's just saying. I mean, that's fun. There are some there's some names here that I recognize as well. Um, their quarterback room is is interesting to me. Uh, who's going to win that job? Yes. Because Marquise Williams uh, was the quarterback at North Carolina before um, Mitch Trubisky, and they had probably more success more with success Williams. With them, yes. And um, you know he was always a fun quarterback to watch. He's got a really nice deep ball. Uh, Matt McGloin, um, Penn State grad who uh, played at o- with Oakland, and I think he bounced around a little bit more uh, in the league. So, you know, that's he's the least exciting of the options, if you ask me. Um, and then uh, Luis Perez, uh, who has bounced around uh, quite a bit in the last, you know, couple of years since leaving college. Um, you know, should, should be a interesting quarterback room i'm rooting for williams to win that job oh yeah i think he's the most fun to watch out of that group easily and uh cyrus kwanjo is on this roster oh yeah brings back great memories for me uh that would be the field goal returned for a touchdown at (laughs) jordan hare stadium uh as kwanjo got flattened while he was pursuing the play and uh the tigers took it back to win the game against Alabama and head on to Atlanta in the SEC championship game. Up next, the St. Louis Battlehawks. Oh, really? You got St. Louis before Seattle, huh? Yeah. Battlehawks. Interesting. Battlehawk. Battlehawk. Plural. Uh, head coach, Jonathan Hayes. It looks like... Not familiar. No. I'm checking them out. I'll tell you what, this is a pretty good roster. Some of these names on this roster. So, let's see. He's a tight ends coach for Cincinnati Bengals from 2003 to 2018. Um, He played in the NFL, actually, as well as a tight end. Uh, 13 touchdowns in his career. My, you know, maybe my projected to be the best receiver in the league for me is uh, is on this roster, and that's uh, Terrence Williams, uh, who played for the Cowboys um, I think he's a very good wide receiver and and uh, I'm surprised that this is where he landed I'm surprised he did yeah. not end up in, in an NFL room so I mean yeah, or wide receivers tough in the NFL yeah yeah he's you know he, he played five seasons in Dallas so he, he definitely had a lot of time there but that's a that, that guy is gonna be pretty good Christine Michael was on this team yeah um, Texas another, A&M running back another second to the Seahawks back. Yeah, uh, Matt Jones uh, went to Florida. Um, Big. Yeah, he's he's and then played at uh, played for the Redskins. Uh, had some fumble problems, if I remember right, and that's I think that's why he didn't stick in the league. Uh-huh. Uh, Keith Ford, um, who I got to see up close and personal in Buffalo for a while, uh, he was actually really really good in like preseason a couple times that people wanted him to make the team. So uh, he's explosive little ball of fury. Yeah. And, uh, their quarterback room is interesting to me as well. The, yeah. This is one that their most experienced guy is going to be Taylor Heineke. Um, he's you know been around the league for a long the NFL for a long time. Uh, he's had some opportunities to play in Minnesota. And I think again maybe a little bit in Carolina. Um, Brogan Roback is uh, he was kind of the darling on draft on uh, Hard Knocks this year. I think he he was the kid that uh, played at Eastern Michigan. I know that and um, he. Everybody was excited and cheering for him, or at least that was one of the plot lines uh, in uh, the course of the, right. the show this year. Um, but Nick Fitzgerald, who played quarterback at Mississippi State, uh, good quarterback. He, he runs the ball, but he, you know, but the other guy that I think is maybe the most interesting is Jordan Tamu. Um, he is, it's surprising to me that he didn't end up anywhere uh, coming out of Ole Miss because he's an athletic kid. Um, he's big and athletic, 6'3", 214. 
Um, he just didn't have enough tape, I don't think, and, and probably not enough accuracy. He's, again, an athlete, a kid that can run the ball and, and create plays. So that, that that is a really interesting room. I, I would My early guess would be that Taylor Heineke probably ends up as the guy yeah, at least because he'll perform the best in practice. All right. Seattle Dragons. Seattle. I dig the name. Dra- putting dragons on a... Yeah, it's different, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. Um, they have some cool color schemes. Pretty cool logo. And they have Jim Zorn, uh, head coach. Jim Zorn, another guy whose name is certainly familiar to those in the NFL. He's been around for a while. Mike Riley is the offensive coordinator. Mike Riley, Oregon State and Nebraska coach. Um, I thought he did a completely underwhelming job in Nebraska. And, you know, it's a tough place right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at the quarterbacks, uh, B.J. Daniels jumps off at me. Um, kid's really competitive at South Florida. Yeah. He made a lot of plays. Joe Callahan, uh, Division three kid, um, you know, undrafted, bounced around the league. Um, <laughs> uninspiring, you know, I think yeah. it's, it, he doesn't really stand they out. They have some me. interesting wide receivers here. Uh, Keenan Reynolds, that wide receiver who played quarterback at Navy. Yeah, that's you know that's always fun. Those kids can play football usually. You know, you yeah. know it'll be disciplined and um, Kenneth Farrow in the backfield, San Diego State um, got a little bit of an opportunity to play in the NFL, not a lot, but I think that's a kid that um, you know he may get a, a bunch of touches and um, you'll you'll see his name a lot in the highlights. Um, Austin Prohl. Austin Prohl, yeah, yeah. So you know there are some names there that that you'd probably heard before and. Um, no. my favorite team won't be Seattle. I'll tell you that. We got one more. The Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, another another pretty solid team name. Yeah. Uh, Mark Tressman's the head coach, and Jerry Glanville. Yes, that Jerry Glanville is the defensive coordinator. Wow, that's fun. That is fun. Um, Antonio Callaway immediately catches the eye. Yeah, no doubt he's an uber-talented kid that should be playing in the NFL, and he's not because of his problems. Right. Um, you know, he's he's got himself in some trouble. He, he can't seem to uh, keep himself on the roster because of it. He played at Florida. Um, you know, he belongs in the NFL physically with all of his skill sets. So uh, maybe my prediction of Terrence Williams was a little premature <laughs> right. um, because this kid's, <laughs> this kid's got good. more physical talent than he does. So, um trying to take a look through here and see if there's anybody else that stands out to me. The quarterback Aaron Murray is, is on this team. Aaron Murray, I mean, I, he doesn't stand out at all. Um, what? It, it, I mean, it, he played at Georgia, and they weren't that good when he was there. They were okay. He just, I don't know, he just never impressed me. Um, Taylor Cornelius, he's a big kid, right? Yeah, and, well, Quentin Flowers. Yeah, 6'6". Six, six. Quentin Flowers, um, you know, he athlete he's an athlete more than he is a, a passer they have him listed sure. on his running back on one roster i'm looking at and quarterback yeah, on another yeah so. he played at usf yep um you know and he, he's a great athlete he can run the ball he can throw the ball but i don't know what they're going to do with him so oh i've tareen tareen folston he played at notre dame i've watched him play for quite a few years there he's he's pretty good he's playing running back for them too yeah Oh, boy. Who am I going to go with? Mac Brown is also running back. They got some good running backs on this team. There's definitely some options here. Yeah. Callaway at wideout. I'm going to have to, you know, follow a coach, I think. You know, I I think that that's the angle that will get me the most excited about this. They have Um, Tavares McFadden on on this team at corner. Really? Yeah. Um, He's pretty good at Florida State. I mean, first-team All-American. Bronco Nagurski finalist. I mean, this kid was was really good. Yeah. Never caught on. Looks like he was on quite a few NFL teams, but just didn't stick. Well, it's it's time for me to make a decision here. I'm gonna just need a a, a quick uh, just a quick recap. Yeah, more so uh, who the coaches are on these teams because I've seen the rosters now. Uh, Houston was that was that June Jones? Um, let me bring it back up. Houston is June Jones and Ted Cottrell, yeah. Yeah. The Roughnecks. I dig the name. I like some of the names in the room. I don't like their quarterback situation. 
<laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Like I was hoping to uh, to really fall in love with the uh, the New York team. I'm in New York. Let's root for the New York Guardians. But that name is just so weird to me. Yeah, yeah. That. But they do have Joe Horn, Horn Jr. and I could probably get behind that. Yeah, I don't know. Marquise Williams might be fun, and Kevin Gilbride is pretty good. Who's uh, Stoops is coaching uh, the Dallas Renegades? Come on, you knew he was staying in that area of the world. I know, and I love that quarterback room. Uh, Cameron Artis Payne at running back. Lance Dunbar on that team. You know that. I don't know any of these receivers though. That's the only thing that's <laughs> like. How am I supposed to get behind a receiver room with not one player in the '80s? Every one of them is 13, 15, 11, one. Like, nobody wears an 80s number here. I don't know any of the tight ends. Uh, I don't think it's going to be them either. You know what? I, my initial impression when, when we talked about it was uh, that I would go with the DC Defenders. Yeah. I kind of like the name. Um, Their logo is the weakest, I think. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, God, how am I supposed to gear up if I don't like the logo? It's all red. A lot of red. Their unis right there. Yeah. Well, that is. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah. It's it. And a league that has the fanciest logos because it's new and exciting, they have the most generic-looking logo. Who was coaching the Wildcats, Los Angeles? The L.A. Wildcats. That was a name I didn't recognize. I think. This one was. Yeah, Winston Moss, but he has oh. Norm Chow and Pepper Johnson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think you're making this more complicated than it needs to be. Kept. It is. It, it, I am. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know what? I'm going to get behind the St. Louis Battlehawks. Give me the Battlehawks. The Battlehawks is pretty cool. I am an official St. Louis Battlehawks fan, which pains me because I hate other franchises from that town. Looking at you, Cardinals. Exactly. Um, but I, I am going to jump aboard the St. Louis Battlehawks bandwagon so don't be surprised when you see me walking around with that battle hawks hat on <laughs> what uh so what pushed you to the battle hawks is it the name the logo i, I love the competition the in that quarterback room yeah okay. yeah um there, i saw that and then i looked at the running back room keith ford matt jones and Kristen michael all on the same roster um you know brandon riley is a nice receiver that you know obviously you know he spent time in buffalo yeah had a, had a cup of coffee um you know, there there were just names that stood out to me. Um, Terrence Williams is on that team. Um, I, I want to see how that battle shakes out in the in the quarterback room. I I think that they'll run the ball really well and effectively. I am uh, I am a Battle Hawk fan. Nice. Who's coaching that team? Should have asked that before I said this. This is some dude I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, Jonathan Hayes. Jonathan Hayes. I guess I better. I guess I better do some research. You better eh? familiarize yourself. Coordinator, your coach. Uh, Jay Hayes is the defensive coordinator. I'm not oh, sure of the nepotism. relation. Yeah, you're you're off to a strong start. Yeah, this is not something I'm excited about when I hear that. <laughs> but I dig the uniform. I do. Yeah. I do like the uniform. Yeah, I think that's one of the. I think. Um, I think I'm gonna go. I wasn't gonna do this. I wasn't gonna follow suit, but I'm. I'm. I think I'm gonna be rooting for the Dallas Renegades this year. I'm gonna get behind Eric Dundry. Hope he wins it, wins the competition, and follows Bob Stoops. And I mean, uh, Eric Dundry played up here in Syracuse. Um, not the most talented quarterback in the world, but he has a lot of fight to him. A lot of fun to watch when he was up here. So I want to root for him. I want to. Hopefully, he does well and. Uh, so I guess the next thing I want to talk about with the XFL and kind of stay on the same thing. Um, what do you think the NFL is going to take from the XFL? Do you think it's going to be taking game ideas? I mean, we already heard that they're doing some crazy stuff for the Pro Bowl, um, trying to shake up the onside kick game since it's pretty much disappeared. Uh, do you think they'll be taking ideas? Do you think they'll be taking some players who stand out? What do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I think that they'll see things. First off, they will take players. There's no doubt right. that, that guys will. Uh, this is going to be an opportunity to resurrect themselves. Um, but I think that some of these ideas, 
they might come to fruition at the at, at the next level. I think that some of their special teams rules are a little too out there for for the NFL yeah. to to take on. The kickoffs um, are crazy, right? And they don't want to. Player safety is too big of an issue for them to to get into having guys with those full speed collisions and encouraging the kickoff and punt games. Yeah. Um, so I think that part is is really off the table when it comes to the NFL. Um, but I think. You know, maybe that overtime idea. Yeah. Come on, let's have some fun with this. You know, and yeah, and overtime in the NFL, especially in the regular season, is really boring. Yeah, make it this way in the regular season, and then just play football in, in the playoffs. You yeah. know, that's. I mean, that works to me. It's. I I still don't like that one team can possess the ball in in overtime in the playoffs and yeah. go down and score and, and game over. You know that. Yeah. To me, is not the way that it should be. Everybody should have a an opportunity to have the ball in their hands. So. Um, you know, maybe maybe something like that would be fun, like the NHL does. You know, right. where the the regular season is one we're way. gonna ha- we're gonna have a winner. We're gonna have fun with it. Too. Yeah, and we're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, nothing's worse than a tie. Oh, the other thing is that the thing that's frustrating about NFL overtime is they have a perfect model in college football overtime. Yeah, it's flawless. Yeah, it is absolutely flawless. It's great. It is amazing. Every team's gonna get touches. It's exciting because you're. St- you start right in scoring range. You're there. Yeah. Like, go. Yeah. I mean, you could back it up a little bit. Pro kickers are usually better. Not so much this year. Right. Um, but in general, start them at the 35 instead of the 25. Like, yeah. But give me a break. You have a perfect model staring you in the face. Yeah. By the way, uh, Jonathan Hayes, rough and tumble tight ends coach. Right up my alley. I, I yeah. love it. He's in his late 60s. He's been around for a long time. I'm, I love it. I think, I think the Dallas Renegades are going to win it all. Yeah. they got some running backs, man. Dunbar and... Uh, pain, yeah, it's a pretty good set of running backs. Well, I, I like the running backs yeah. in the St. Louis room too, though. Yeah. You know, Matt Jones in that room, yeah. kid can run the ball. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun as we as we start off with, and they kick off right after the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it, the the week after, I think, yeah. is their opening week. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun to to watch this early on, and you know, find betting angles. I can tell you right now, I'm going to start researching this to see if I can uh, get action week one where I can see a roster that makes more sense to me um, and, and make a play on it, you know, so. Yeah. And there's stuff out there already. I mean, these teams, most of these teams scrimmaged each other last week. So there's recaps of the scrimmages. So you can kind of get a look at maybe who they had, who got the first reps at quarterback here. Um, so I think we're going to look into that. And the week before, and we're going to stick with this XFL thing. I think. Kevin and I are both really excited about what it can bring for February, March, and um, so the gambling aspect alone is worth it for us. I mean, yeah. give me some juice in February, March, so I'm not yeah, and, betting know, NBA all day. Right, and you know, I think that this is a, an opportunity for people to get familiarized with guys that are marginal NFL players, and you know, who doesn't want to be on the train of seeing somebody and going, man, that guy's gonna he's gonna make it in the NFL, yeah. and then and then following him to the to the league, so. It's um, I, I'm very excited about it. I think it's great to have that downtime filled, even though there's no true downtime for me in the sports world because I follow so many of them. Right. Um, you know, this just adds one more piece of excitement for those down months in February and, and the off cycle season in the NFL. Yeah. The best thing the XFL has got going for it is its TV contracts. Every single game is on national TV. You will be able to see every single game. Um, so the first week, I mean, you got two on Saturday, two on Sunday every week during the regular season yeah and then they sprinkle in some thursday games at the end so yeah uh, a lot of fun so you know let's just do a quick recap on, on some of the stuff we covered tonight um first and foremost um follow us on social media please um give us some feedback um we're longing for you guys to interact with us so that we can we can make things tailored to what right. you want to hear um you know give us feedback tell us we're idiots i don't care you know but you know give us an opportunity to to interact with you and and put together the product that you want to hear um, so it's going to be on, on Twitter. It's at hammered underscore sports, uh, on Facebook, hammered sports. Um, my personal, uh, Twitter account is at K junior 99. Tom is at tabby 11. Um, follow us, hit us up, send us messages. You know, we love to get any kind of feedback we can. We had a lot of fun with the college football, um, national championship, yeah. um, tweet, tweet up, I guess, you yeah. know, we're kind of, kind of firing off tweets and polls and, um, we got some nice interaction from people out there in, in the Twitterverse, and it was it was a really fun time for me, yep. um, kind of manning the controls of that Twitter page for that night. So, And we're going to be doing the same thing for the Super Bowl. We'll be able to live tweet our 
our Propapalooza picks uh, during yeah. the, during the Super Bowl. Like, ah, oh, Kev just won that one, and yeah. So you know, you can follow along there. And then, really, what what things do you want us to talk about? If there's something we haven't talked about, if there's things you want us to talk about more. Um, you know, we're definitely open to that suggestion. I think we have some more things coming as the football season wraps up. It opens up a little bit more. We're going to be talking about we're going to do some top fives at different positions um, from different sports and try to see see how our mind matches up with Kevin and vice versa here. Yeah, and I think we'll you know, we'll we'll start uh, delving into some of the topics that are a little more controversial. Um, I expect Tom and I to have some more heated debates going as we. Right now, it's it's kind of an interesting time to be getting this off the ground because we're kind of uh, recapping stuff, previewing stuff, moving on, and there's so much happening in the football world. Right. Um, so uh, the shows that really can get fun and get interesting as we find our footing and, and see exactly what we're going to do with this are the shows where we're kind of freelancing a little more and where we're coming up with topics that are not necessarily hot in the news. Right. So um, we're excited about this. Um, thank you all for listening. Tom, what else you got for me? Anything? Although that's it, make sure you're uh, ready to listen next week. I think we're going to have a lot on the Super Bowl. It's a it's a big week in sports. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we should have the prop pod up and uh, ready for uh, you to hear by Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night um, we're going to have that one up. So, you know, be prepared. Um, you can listen on Thursday and Friday as you head into the big weekend. Find those props that make sense for you and uh, make some money, right? Absolutely. It's all about making money here. All right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate you. See you next week.